Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler, and this is the first in a series of episodes where I talk to founders from across the digital advertising spectrum about what inspired them to go it alone, how their business has fared against the backdrop of a global pandemic, and how true they remain to the vision they had on day one. When you peel back the glossy sales pitch and the carefully crafted PowerPoint decks, for me, it's always the founder's stories that are the most intriguing, the most compelling. Stories that, at their heart, have a genuine truth or a problem to be solved. So to kick things off, I spoke to Stefan Svartberg, CEO and founder of Kavai, a business that makes programmatic more creative by focusing on conversational advertising. It's a brilliant conversation uh, where we cover Kavai's roots in Oslo and London, as well as the Nordic appetite for testing and learning. We talk about how the business launched without any investors and why Kavai went straight after big brands from the get-go. But I started by asking Stefan for the all-important explainer on exactly what Kavai is. So Kavai is a conversational advertising platform where you can build uh, conversational ads uh, in the same way. It has the same logic as a chatbot uh, platform where you kind of put chatbots on a customer page. Uh, but it's built for advertising and all the nuances you need with uh, especially online advertising that works programmatically through the biggest exchanges, platforms, and so on. And it's a simple drag-and-drop system where you can um, basically yeah, build and deploy uh, conversational ads across uh, programmatic, uh, social, uh, and other big platforms. And how did you, what sort of motivated you to, to go on your own? Because you've worked in a bunch of mobile companies before, right? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, jump, when I jumped into ad tech in 2011, I, uh, and uh, it was a Nordic uh, mobile advertising platform, uh, I got a bit inspired, like most do, when you meet other founders as well. They have big yeah, yeah. dreams, we're going somewhere, and, and so on. Uh, and the two founders were just, the office was like 10 square meters, and the, the founders had two fat boys, and then they had a, a small sales team and then a traffic team. And I thought like, oh, wow, this is, this is amazing. I want to experience this as well. Uh, so I kind of had the, the little dream for, for a couple of years and then worked across um, multiple ad tech firms, uh, DSPs, SSPs, uh, identity, uh, and so on. And then I think when you, when you look to found or, or start a company, you have like two things. To, you have many ingredients, but for me, at least, you have one, curiosity, Mm. Uh, and then you have this little, I want to change something. Mm. Uh, I want to put my, my stamp on something that, hey, we made this, it worked, uh, it created value and so on. Uh, so we started looking into uh, when in 2017, obviously a lot of talk about GDPR, yeah, yeah, privacy. Yeah. Uh, we, had a, we still talk a lot about privacy, especially in these days with, mm. uh, with what's going on. Uh, we kind of th- started thinking, okay, what's what's going to be important the next 10 years? And what is also a bit neglected? So mm-hmm. I would say online has had, had a lot of investments related to the backend, yep. sophisticated systems to manage data, buy media across multiple uh, publisher assets. Uh, amazing innovation and investments happened on, on the backend. Mm. 
but very little has been spent and in, in, in invested and in, in researched in terms of how you and me as consumers actually see yeah. the ads. Yeah. Um, and it's no, it's no secret that we have a lot of people installing Adblock for multiple reasons, but the mo most common reason is that they don't like it. What we present to them is not appealing enough to get them to start clicking mm. uh, or to engage with the, with the brand. So we, we really wanted to create, uh, wanted to do two things or prove two things. One, that user experience and creativity is the most important ingredient uh, for a brand when they meet a consumer. Mm. And we wanted to do it with zero, uh, zero data, basically. We wanted to use context and the wow. available right. signals that's not related to consumers. Mm. Uh, uh, and then work with big brands. So that was kind of like the hypothesis that, hey, if we create amazing new experiences that's not based upon uh, some personal data, we yeah. can achieve better results, basically. Mm. And so we kind of kicked off uh, with uh, playing around with uh, with that. And then obviously in 2017, or it's been the year of the chatbot as well for many years. <laughs> so I worked in mobile advertising. It's been, yeah. I think it's still the year of the mobile. So, um, uh, and it was a lot of uh, conferences, uh, a lot of uh, articles about chatbots. So they're going to create this amazing customer service uh, Lo loads of loads of brands just started doing them didn't they it was like yeah. it was like when the app store first popped up and everyone just created an app it felt like yeah. in 2007 everyone was just creating chatbots but it was quite yeah. complicated it was quite complicated to do then though wasn't it yeah it complicated and you just created them for the yeah. sake of it like yeah, with yeah, the apps yeah. oh we need an app yeah. we we have a company and we need an app and yeah. it was a, bit, a bit of the same actually uh, but if you look at kind of like the, the traits of a chatbot uh, and advertising, it's quite interesting because uh, it invites the consumer to actually just respond what they want to see and what they want to have information about. So if we talk a lot about personalization in this industry. What's more personal than a conversation? Mm. But it needs to be well scripted. It needs yeah. to have the right like ingredients because chatbots are also extremely frustrating. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. usually you, you're met with a chatbot that's, oh, I'm just a stupid robot, talk <laughs> to customer service. And uh, I, no brand wants to pay for having a branded chatbot running around saying I'm stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we don't focus on the AI part, to be honest, where the chatbot just self-learns about right. the brand and then goes out to speak because we don't believe that's, uh, fit for purpose in advertising. Mm. Uh, but then we, we, we started looking into this and then you start to kind of like, you, you start to obviously, you, you script your story to fit yourself, your dream, right? So, uh, but if you look at online advertising since its inception, it's been designed to take consumers away from where they want to be. So yeah, everyone started go, building microsites and, you know, that, that was the other thing. You, the the yeah. role of advertising was to get you out of the environment you were in and to yeah. take you somewhere else. And we measured it by looking at how much traffic it drove and all those sorts of metrics. Yeah, it's it very focused on, on that. And if you, if you look at like what's natural in, in life, if you go to a store or you go to a cafe, if someone's chasing you to go another way, you usually say no. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, then, yeah, okay, these chatbots could be, could be handy in advertising and a bit more 
not to sound fluffy here, but a bit more respectful, like, mm. hey, yeah, yeah. this is my brand, this is my product, mm. do you want to learn more about XYZ? Um, so that was kind of like the motivation that we wanted to prove creativity still matters, it's important, and it should be important online as well. Yeah, Because we're always in such a rush online to do things fast, uh, all around, uh, all across the board that, hey, sometimes we need to start think, okay, think about, hey, how could this be of value for the consumer as well? You, it's a, such a good point about so much of ad tech kind of works on the back end and consumers never see it. Um, the, the other people who probably never see it are, are creative people, creative agencies. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, how engaged uh, uh, have you guys been with creative teams around what you can build? Or, or is this something that's built for brands and, and, and media people can do? Yeah, good question. So um, our platform is built for typically a media agency holding group. Mm. Uh, that's who we work with the most. Um, we also uh, work a lot uh, towards the creative uh, industry, but we see a disconnect because media side is high speed. Mm. Creative is also high speed, but the, uh, their business model is more related to long-term yeah, yeah. creative strategies yeah. that online is constantly shifting and you need to kind of piggyback on some wave yeah, yeah. that we fit better with the media agency side of the business, our platform, basically. Yeah. And you're right, that sort of weird disconnect of, you know, if you said to, if you said to a, an executive creative director, you know, do you want to fly to Brazil and film a, a cinema ad? Or do you want to put together 100 banner ads? You know, I know yeah. well, I'd sort of fix it. The disconnect's weird. Um, t tell me about um, where you launched it. Uh, obviously, you're talking to me from Oslo at the moment. Um, yeah. That's where, you, where, where you've worked, where you've grown up. Um, did you launch it in, in Oslo or did you, was it always going to be something that was born there and would, would go bigger or? We actually launched uh, in, in the UK. Oh, wow. So uh, we, we were uh, extremely focused from the get-go that uh, although we love our Nor Nordic heritage, we, uh, we wanted to build a global company. So um, nice. uh, first stop for every uh, company that's opening a new office is, is London, right? Mm -hmm. So we launched the first campaign uh, together with Daily Mail and a French brand called uh, Expect back in 2018, uh, just before Can Lions. Mm. Uh, that was the goal as well when we started the company in Jan January. Was like, oh, we need to have one campaign before Can Lions, and then uh, we talked to the Daily <laughs> Mail team. We got something going, and uh, actually, Friday we were leaving Saturday, Friday. Uh, the campaign went finally live after a lot of like troubleshooting and so on. So we were like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good week. Um, and how big was that team right at the start? So it was me uh, and Tommy, uh, my, my co-founder. Mm. And then uh, we had, uh, I think we were four. Two of wow. them were, they were like consultants. And it was me and yeah. Tommy putting something together. And you guys were literally between you doing the, the sell, the trafficking, the sort of the getting it, like, everything. Yeah, and we had never launched a chatbot app before, so uh, uh, and we hadn't built the chatbot before either. So when we got the when we got the deal, we we're like, okay, let's build a chatbot. Uh, we need to figure this out. We had three weeks, so it's like constant, like constantly like googling stuff, and then uh, we got there in the end. And uh, it wasn't the most beautiful campaign, I can say that because I was the lead designer as well, uh, but. Uh, 
we got it delivered and we got some 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 numbers out of it that we believed in uh, which was uh, comforting and then uh, we kind of cracked on uh, from there so two years on now and so you know God, so much has happened in the in the last two years but when you look back now what's the stuff that sort of makes you really proud looking back uh good question uh, i think we've stayed quite true to this initial story we haven't yeah. uh we haven't pivoted uh at all actually we've been extremely focused on this is what we're going to do mm. and this is what uh, we're about and just been quite consistent with uh, uh our, our, our target um in terms of how we develop the company how we develop the technology which clients we work with uh, and and trying to not do any shortcuts I, I i think that's probably what we're most proud about that the story is actually the slides look better but the story is the same yeah that 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 sounds like the right way it's better design now yeah that sounds like the, the the right way to do it and what's the and what's the take up been like you, you know do you have to you almost have to sort of start from from zero with people on you know why conversational advertising is this thing and why you think you need it or i mean i haven't really seen anyone else doing this kind of thing so in a way it's a brilliant usp but i guess a lot of the time you're it's not like you're just knocking together some banner ads and you can plaster them over a network and you say well we're a bit like this other person but we're a bit cheaper there's a sort of a more intricate selling i guess yeah, and I would say we're quite lucky to be from the Nordics because the appetite for testing innovation is quite high. It usually yeah, is yeah. tested for big brands to to test new stuff. And so, and and obviously, when our target is working with the biggest brands, because if you look at conversational, you won't have a conversation with a with a stranger. Mm. So it's the same thing here. Like if you're doing conversational ads, it needs to be a household name you need to know the brand a bit you need either to have a level of trust or distrust that you want to speak with them because you're not that happy yeah uh, and then big brands they, they they usually take a lot of time uh, but we were we were lucky that we had some 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 cool brands that wanted to work with us like uh, the biggest bank in the nordics they said yes to, to testing this and then we had uh, uh, with mindshare actually uh, royal caribbean cruise lines ah, nice so uh, we we got uh, we got to work with some really interesting brands uh, early on uh, that kind of spinned out uh, to to other brands that wanted to test and uh, yeah and we see great p- performance with the format uh, and, and and technology as well so uh, it's kind of gone from there. T- tell me a bit more about um, you talked about the sort of the appetite for innovation in the Nordics. I mean, I always. I always loved my time, whether it was Oslo or, or Stockholm. It, it always felt like there was a sort of different, again, not to be fluffy, energy and excitement and sort of willingness to do stuff. Yeah. And even the markets kind of uh, come together and Nordic's kind of seen as one thing. You know, the Group M agencies come together as, as one thing in my experience. Are there other sort of differences that you see between the way we were kind of set up in the UK and, and the way the, the Nordics operate? I mean, they're, they were always the first to do stuff. That was always what I thought. They were always the innovators. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think uh, the benefit of being small is that you have small, uh, smaller, nim- nimbler teams. Mm. Um, uh, if you look at, for example, an agency in, in Oslo, like, a mindshare or a media company usually have one digital department while in the uk you you have more layers to the digital experience so 
it's simpler to kind of have this collabor collaboration going on. And then also you have the same setup in Stockholm, Helsinki, Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that it's due to the fact that we're much smaller in terms of size uh, in, in people. And, and and yeah, and we have an especially in digital where we have a very like if you look at penetration on smartphones, tablet yeah, yeah, yeah. equipment, and so on, it's quite high. So it kind of resonates with consumer trend, small teams. It makes it simple to kind of start testing stuff. And is there a sort of sense of it sort of struck me when I was there that that everyone kind of knows everyone. There's a really nice sort of digital community. You sort yeah. of know the agency people, and you know. London is just bigger, so by by yeah. sort of nature, it'd probably be the same if you go to New York. But the community is kind of really important as well. I think if that's true, I also do think that like this online ad tech, uh, ad tech makes the world quite small hmm. because you 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 get to know people in in the UK, in Amsterdam, in Singapore, in New York, and. Uh, so this ad tech online advertising scene uh, or programmatic scene is is actually quite small, which makes it quite fantastic as well yeah. because you can get to meet a lot of interesting people uh, around Europe or uh, sitting here you know, with you today. But yeah, Nordics is is obviously it's a it's a small pond, uh, which makes uh, the relationship. Uh, quite simple to kind of like facilitate innovation as well yeah I, i'm always fascinated to talk to founders about the sort of investor slash vc process as well um yeah. how are you guys funded and did you go through that and any any stories you'd share yeah so um the first 12 months we had uh, we said we're not going to focus on bringing on any investors because usually what's that's just from my experience. Startups are very focused on day two. We need to find investors. Yeah. Oh my God, I need to pay my bills. <laughs> yeah. um, and you, you could do like uh, small changes in life, like cut down on the nice wine uh, and cut down on, on cheese on everything. <laughs> uh, and then focus on finding out, okay, is this what uh, we're going to uh, get the investors to invest into? Mm. Because uh, often you go to investors and then you get money and then you pivot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and hence why I said consistency is key for us. Mm. That hey, this is our vision. We we spent the first twelve months uh, just hustling and making things uh, go around, and then we do have investors now uh, because we've scaled the company across. I think it's ten or eleven markets at the moment. Mm. Uh, so we have uh, we have uh, one of the biggest VCs in the Nordics, who's kind of like yeah, one billion euros in in. Uh, under management and that's uh, that's the lead investor together with uh, another uh, Norwegian VC mm. uh, so so that's obviously been a huge con contributor to for us to planting flags building an operation in the, uh, in the UK uh, we're now eight people soon soon more uh, uh, and also for us to open in the US open in Singapore and be able to deliver on global campaigns for our global clients and global partners as well. And have you, um, as well as investors, have you sort of picked up, um, you know, advisors, advisory boards have you gone as well? I mean, who, who have you looked, looked for for help either back in 2017 or people yeah. that are still helping you now? We started looking into this advisory board as well, uh, but uh, we 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 kind of scrapped it mm. uh, uh, because it's it's related to focus, and I think uh, 
uh, a lot of the outside noise that can, can come with uh, taking in money too early, having too many advisors, it kind of, uh, it, it can create more confusion than clarity. Uh, so uh, we kind of, we looked into it as well and we talked with many interesting, amazing people. Yeah. Uh, but we found out, hey, if we're going to do this, we need to kind of be very focused on what we're going to do. And and so I think for us, it, it, it wasn't the right fit doing it, basically. Yeah. Um, t- two questions for you. What, what are the... Um... What are your ambitions? What, what are you going to be doing in the next five years? You talked about um, the US, you talked about Singapore. What's on the roadmap? Yeah, cool. Um, so one, uh, right now we're ex- been extremely focused on the programmatic uh, side of the business, uh, creating conversational ads that work within the uh, IAB formats mm-hmm. and so on. And then we've also developed what we believe is more of a custom, more natural chatbot ad experience Hmm. Um, now we're expanding the product into social so we're integrating with facebook we're we're discussing with other of the the big platforms to to make our conversations available where the consumer is Uh, and then we're quite interested in in looking into uh, uh, e-com and finding ways Hmm. to simplify the buying process so basically um, banners should be storefronts and uh, hence we don't want to take people away from where they want to be you should be able to shop within the banner yeah um, so that's on from a product perspective from a people operations uh, I think we've kind of planted uh, a lot of the flags we've been quite aggressive in our market expansion yeah and uh, now it's we're focused on building teams in in the geos we're in and really servicing our clients uh, uh, building the knowledge about what we do across the industry, uh, build good cases, research. We spent a lot of, uh, well, we invest a lot into research and mm. uh, to understand the short-term metrics are quite simple because someone clicked, someone bought. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. But uh, I think online advertising, we've kind of also neglected the principles that's been for the past 20, 30 years with like a Peter Field, Okay, yeah, how? Yeah. What's the value of a conversation after six months of doing it? Yeah, yeah. We don't know yet. And it is. You're right. It's that almost sort of short-term addiction. The really sort of short-term metrics, the vanity things of being able to justify it. But yeah, yeah. What's the long-term impact of what I've done? Um, I do. I do it myself. When I go into the <laughs> our I, first thing I look at is how many are starting a conversation. Like I'm. I'm also addicted to We're looking at to. numbers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we need to understand the long ter- long term impact uh, it, it has for a brand, and, and that's um, uh, that's the interesting part, right? Yeah, that's a really really good focus. Um, l- last question for you. Obviously, you know, ad tech in particular, there's no shortage of entrepreneurship and. Yeah. You know, things like the pandemic have been a bit of an awakening for some people who might, you know, have either lost jobs or t- try a change in direction. For people that might consider setting up their own company in ad tech, what advice would you have for them? Good question. So, uh, I've been thinking about this. Uh, so if we look at the first wave of ad tech and maybe second wave as well, it's been very focused on we're going to take down Facebook. We're going to compete against Google. 
Uh, and that's an interesting story, and and we have a lot of political stuff related to that. It's a, it's a huge subject, so I'll, I'll not dig into that. But I think for the next phase now is looking into okay, how can we work with the existing mm. infrastructure in place to deliver a better service? Yeah. And that should be should be the priority either way, because if you deliver a better service, a better experience, one consumer is happy, brand is happy, agency is happy, and publisher probably makes more money as well. Yeah, really, really. So nice. work within what you have. Yeah, nice. Very, very sound. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Stefan. I love the single-minded focus you guys have got and the fact that you sort of haven't been swayed and you just sort of laser-targeted on, you know, what it was three years ago and, and still is today. And I, I wrote it down. I love this point, this insight around, you know, you won't have a com- conversation with a stranger and that's why you want to go and work with big, familiar brands. I love it. I think it's really, really sound. <laughs> um, it was amazing talking to you. Thank you so much for giving us the time. Thank you so much, James. Happy to, to join. The IAB UK podcast. Stefan Svartberg, founder of Kavai there. Two things he said to me really, really resonated. One was that we talk a lot in this industry about personalization and what's more personal than a conversation. I think that's very smart. Uh, and two, the reason he wanted to work with big established brands was based on the insight that people are more familiar with them and therefore more comfortable with having a conversation. And that is why we've started this series. You just get such a deeper level of insight about a business when uh, you talk to its founder. And we'll have loads more founder episodes like this one coming up, as well as the meat and veg regular podcast, which will continue to look at some of the longer term effects of COVID on digital advertising uh, and the businesses and the people within it. So if you want to listen to more episodes uh, like this one, then the best thing to do is subscribe. But you can find all of the other episodes uh, on the IAB site, iabuk.com forward slash connected or wherever you get your podcasts from. But thanks very much for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising.